You're listening to the Unveiling Mormonism podcast from PursueGod.org. Join us every Monday as we pull back the curtain on Mormon history, culture, and doctrine. Find more resources to continue the conversation at PursueGod.org forward slash Mormonism. Well, hey, everybody. Today we have a special treat because joining me on the podcast is Cassie, and I'm not going to give Cassie's last name, but Cassie, I am so excited for people to hear your story because I think your story growing up in the Mormon church, um, wanting to know Jesus, even as a young girl in the Mormon church, journeying, you know, going through the temple, getting sealed in the temple, married in the temple, all this stuff. I mean, your story is crazy and I don't want to give too much of it away, but what I do want to do is before we have you with start with the beginning of your story, I want to, I want to skip to the end of the story because about a year ago you had an experience that was so foundational in you really meeting the Jesus of the Bible that you wrote about it in your journal. And I'm just going to ask you to start today by sharing a little bit from that journal entry almost a year ago that that was so foundational to your pursuit of God. All right. Well, I'm excited to share. Um, So this journal entry was The Chosen. I watched The Chosen. And today was season three, episode three. Um, Physician Heal Yourself was the title. And in one scene of the episode, Jesus was reading the scroll of Isaiah in the synagogue when he revealed himself to his people as the prophesied Messiah. He spoke to Martha and the others and asked them to tell the story of when God sent Elijah to the Gentile woman in Zarephath. As Jesus was telling those in the synagogue the story, he turned and asked Martha what happened next. And she explained that the woman gave up her last flour and oil for one more cake and gave it to Elijah because the Lord told her to do so. The Lord said he would make it so her flour and oil would never run out, and she believed. Jesus then said, A pagan Gentile in a pagan land, and she was hungry enough to know she needed God. And so he multiplied her food to last forever. And that was the part that really struck you, right, Cassie, as you're watching this. And by the way, I know a lot of Mormons and Christians who love The Chosen, and I am one of them. I love The Chosen. I think it's the way it depicts Jesus is so beautiful. He's so relatable. He's so loving. He's so understandable. He's so wise. He speaks of truth and love. Anyway, that's for another episode, but I love it. I'm sure you did too. But there yes. was something about that that's, that really just grabbed your heart, those words, hungry enough to know she needed God, because that's how you felt as someone coming, you know, experiencing Jesus partly through the Mormon church, but you knew that you wanted more than that. Right. Yes. When I heard those words, it was just this shift of energy all around me, and I just... I knew that I had been so hungry for God and and for God in my life that it just, it really, those words just hit me hard. Now we'll come back to that here in just a little bit, but I want to, I want to go to the beginning of your story now. So for our listeners, just hang on because some of our listeners are, have been listening to the podcast and they probably really resonate with you, Cassie, this idea that the reason they're listening to the podcast is because they're hungry for Jesus, the real Jesus, but it's a struggle because you've learned some stuff in the Mormon church growing up. You might even feel a little bit guilty listening to a podcast like Unveiling Mormonism, but you're hungry enough to know that you need God. So if you can relate to Cassie, keep listening, 
And Cassie, we'll come back to your journal entry from a year ago, but let's back up and let's talk about how it all started. You grew up in Utah as a Utah Mormon. Tell us about that. Yeah. um, I had been a faithful member of the LDS church for my entire life. Um, I was baptized into it at eight years old, just kind of like most members are. Um, I was sealed to my parents and my sisters a few years later. So that was a little different for me than some people because a lot of um, children are born into that covenant where my parents had not gone through the temple yet. They had been sealed later in life. So um, I got to have that experience as a young girl with my family. Um, I attended church weekly. We went. I went to all my young women activities. Um, I attended seminary, graduated from seminary. My family was deeply rooted in it. Um, we read the Book of Mormon together routinely. We had family home evenings as often as we could. Um, I was I was always active. Always, it it kind of just defined our life. Everything kind of revolved around it. So you were a good Mormon. You were a serious Mormon. You weren't a, a Jack Mormon. What what do they call women? Jill Mormons? Jack and Jill Mormons? Jill Mormon, Molly Mormon? Yeah. Molly Mormon? I don't know. Molly, you, yep, all of the above. You, yeah, you were like a good Mormon. And in fact, you met yes. you met your 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 husband to be, Steve, when you guys were still in high school. He was a high school sweetheart. That happens a lot for Mormons. You meet in high school, you get married yeah. young. But in your case, it was a little different because Steve wasn't LDS. Tell us about that. Yeah. Yep. I met him when I was 16. He was actually already graduated and had moved to Utah from California. But his family was, um, he wasn't baptized as a Catholic, but he attended a private Catholic school and his dad's side of the family were Catholic. And that's where their lives were kind of rooted in the in the Catholic church and um, they were they were taught that way when he was younger. So um, coming to Utah was kind of a little bit of a culture shock for him. Um, he really didn't know anything about the LDS church, but uh, when he met me <laughs> and my family was so deeply rooted in it, he knew that if he wanted to marry me and be okay with my parents and my family, that it was something he probably needed to explore. Um, and conform to. And but early on, okay. So, but you, when you got married, you didn't get married in the temple, though, because he wasn't. Would you say he wasn't worthy? He wasn't LDS yet. He, he, so you did a civil ceremony again. For some of our listeners who don't understand this in Mormonism, there's two types of ceremonies you can do: a, a civil ceremony or a religious ceremony in the temple. And when you guys got married initially, you you didn't do a temple marriage. Tell us about that. Right. Yeah. So Steve was baptized and I don't remember the exact date he was baptized, but with, uh, in the church, you, you had to wait back then. I think the rules might be different now, but back then you had to wait a full year between different, um, milestones within the church and where he had just, he had just been baptized and he didn't have the priesthood or anything like that yet that they bless you with. And so um, we couldn't do a temple marriage at that time um, because of their time frame. So we were we were married civilly with a with the plans to a year later after we were married civilly we would go ahead and be sealed in the temple. Okay, so tell me a little bit about how Steve 
So here he is, a guy coming out of a little bit more of a Catholic background, probably not like a real hardcore Catholic. Like you said, he just went to Catholic school, but it's still probably weird for him. It's still probably, he's learning some things that he's like, okay, well, that's kind of weird, like temples and ceilings in the temple. Like, is that, was that his experience? What was experience, what was his experience like in those early years in the Mormon church? So he, he did the missionary discussions kind of right off the bat after he started dating me and realized that this was serious and we wanted to get married. He um, went through the discussions and he felt like a lot of the things they were teaching him lined up with his beliefs. So he could connect to it in that sense of um, his belief in God and Jesus and um it was when they really started to get in and talk about uh, Joseph Smith and um, founding the church and and that territory that he wasn't real sure if he was kind of buying into that or believed that that's what happened. It was all a very different version of the way he grew up believing and learning in it. He recognized early on that there was some holes and some problems that didn't line up with the way he believed in Jesus and in God. And that I'm, I would imagine that happens for a lot of people because as you go through those missionary lessons, um, you're, you're just skimming the surface, right, Cassie? You're just learning like the stuff that sounds, I mean, there's some stuff in there that, that is definitely Mormon and not biblical Christian, but a lot of it is just very Christian, a lot of this very surfacey. You're not really learning the stuff about Joseph Smith or some of these other things. You're not learning that until later on. So that probably was Steve's right. experience. Whereas for you, you're probably like, well, come on, Steve, this is what I've always learned. So it wasn't weird to you, right? But it was maybe a little bit weird to him. Right. Yep, that is correct. Now, yes. how was he how was he treated? And how, and how did that come across for you? Because I'm sure that this sort of marked you two as a couple in a sense that mm-hmm. you you didn't marry a good Mormon, that your husband didn't grow up Mormon. He's doing his best trying to trying to fit in. But did you did you guys feel even as a couple this criticism or this unworthiness or even this sense of of like guilt that, that you weren't yeah. like fully bought in and you weren't temple married? Mormons. Yes. So we had been dealing with that guilt and that kind of judgment since we started dating. He started to come to church with me while we were dating. And being so young, um, we had a few experiences where the bishop pulled him into the office and I got talked to by my leaders and they just had concern that we were young, that he was not a missionary, that he wasn't a member of the church, that just it, they were concerned that those things weren't going to align for us. And so that criticism for him started real early on in this journey. And he, he knew that the outcome he wanted with the outcome he wanted, he didn't, it didn't matter to him. Ultimately, he just wanted to be with me. And so he took all those judgments and that guilty uh, criticism or that, well, that criticism that made him feel guilty. Um, it, it was hard on him. It was really hard on him. And there was a point in our relationship where we sat and he, um, I remember he's, he's, we sat on the bed and he just kind of broke down and said, I don't, 
think I can be a part of this because I don't believe in all of it. And, and I don't, if, and that, that means I might not be able to be with you, then I don't know what to do. So well, and that's such a hard decision. Hard yeah, some of our listeners might be listening and saying, what the heck? Like, you don't. Yeah. But but that is kind of a, uh, that probably was the pressure he felt and maybe even that you felt a little bit that if you're not going to be Mormon together, I mean, you would have been probably encouraged by your bishop to divorce him, right? Isn't isn't that probably what would have been said as if Steve stopped going with you and said, no, I, I don't buy into this. Like, would you have been encouraged to find a different husband? if they would have encouraged me to do that after we were already married, but they definitely encouraged me to rethink the marriage before Mm. we did get married. And, um, yeah, I, I remember that the young women leaders at that time sitting down in a class setting right after I had gotten engaged and they talked about, they, they actually took us to the temple and we talked about families forever and being sealed to your spouse in the temple and how if you do it differently, that's not God's way and that it was wrong and um, kind of got that same thing from my family a little bit, just concerned that he may not, you know, be a, be a member and that concerned them for me. And um, so, yeah, I mean, it was definitely discouraged during our engagement, but I don't know how they would have handled it after we were already married. But either way, you felt you, it wasn't just Steve that was feeling this, but you were feeling this sadness, this guilt, this anguish, like you were feeling judged and unworthy. And this has got to be hard, right? For both you and Steve, maybe even your, did you have some sons at this, did you have some kids at this point yet in your Um, marriage? We we didn't early on. Um, Our boys came along a little bit later. It was early on in our marriage that um, through the different wards that we moved into, you know, each ward, we'd say, okay, we can reset. They don't know our story. Mm. They don't know the background that we came from. They just know us as strangers. We'll go in and we'll do better. This this won't feel the same as what it did before. Mm. And it was always, they were just always picking up on, oh, his work schedule doesn't allow him to go to work or she doesn't come to work to church every week. You know, it's really hard for me to go and sit um, in church as such a young girl with by myself and not knowing anybody else because he couldn't be there for me. And those judgments were again formed towards us because of his work schedule and and just different things in life. And um, so, yeah, our journey from from ward to ward that we went to. It was in every ward that we were criticized harshly and um, kind of deemed unworthy. Um, when our boys came along, he was, because of his work schedule and not being able to attend church every Sunday, they didn't allow him to bless and baptize our either one of our boys. Hmm. Um, that was really hard on him too. And you know, there really was no other reason other than your your attendance makes you unworthy. And since mm-hmm. you can't be there, you can't you can't do those things for your own kids. So over the years it just kind of piled up on top of itself all the different things that we had been through within the church and and the way that it was just presented and to us as we were unworthy and judged and just there was such harsh criticism throughout all the years. So this is going on 
at home. This is happening in your church life. You're still really trying to make it work. You're fighting. I know a lot of people that would just bail on it, but good for you guys that you still were like, we just, we want to make this work, both you and Steve. And then something happened years later, 2014, something happened on a trip to Hawaii. Tell us about what happened there. Yeah. So in 2014, I went on a trip to Hawaii with my two sisters and my brother-in-law. Um, we were there for two weeks. My husband was unable to go along with me. Um, he, had, he went to work. That <laughs> Work got in the way for us a lot. But um, on the first day of that trip, I had something happen to me that launched me into a very painful trial. Um, it was worse than anything I'd ever gone through. And I really struggled while I was there. And um, while I was there, the only thing that I knew was going to give me comfort during that time was um, my belief in God. And so I drew that comfort from Him. And Hawaii is just such a beautiful place. And I had never been there. And I was experiencing it all for the first time. And um, being able to connect my heart to God for comfort, I I was able to come home from that trip and me and my husband were able to kind of work through the the trial that we were faced with and be able to start to heal and and work through it together. And um, when once we were kind of back on track and in a good place. Um, and that pain had kind of subsided and we gotten through some of the harder things in that trial. Um, we decided that the next step together would be to be sealed as husband and wife and our two sons in the, in the LDS temple. Yeah. And again, so for our listeners who don't know what this means, this is a big deal, right? This is a huge deal for a Mormon family because of the concept of covenants and ceilings and families are forever and all this stuff. So, so now here you are 15 years in. So your, your, your first marriage was civil and now, now you get sealed in the temple, which is a big deal. Something you'd probably dreamed about since you were a little girl, right? I mean, you remember your parents doing this same thing, right? Yes. Yep. I remembered it. I knew what it was like. Um, just kind of that feeling that, I had when I was there, I knew that that's what I wanted to experience with my husband and my own kids. Just that was what, that's the ultimate place that as an LDS member, that's that's the ultimate goal to be sealed in the temple. That's how you obtain your eternity and your salvation. That's how you gain your take it back to heaven, so to speak. Mm. Um, Without Mm -hmm. that, you know, I spent years just in turmoil inside thinking, I don't know if it's ever going to happen. And what does that mean for my eternal salvation? What does that mean for my kids? Um, So yeah, it was a really big deal back then. And so um, all the trials and the criticism and things that we felt through the years have kind of kept us from reaching that goal. And you know, once we went through this experience together, we just thought, okay, well, I think this is going to be our next, our next step in our marriage and our life. And that's where we'll find our healing. So. Right. And this was your expectation is that, okay, we finally did the thing that for 15 years, we've been 
feeling unworthy about, we've been struggling with, people are judging us, looking down on us because we didn't do the thing. And now here's the thing, you did the thing and things were good for a couple of years. Yeah, they were good for a couple of years for you. But then all of a sudden, and this isn't surprising to me, Cassie, you begin to feel despair and emptiness and you you start to feel what you what you would say would be even spiritually numb in spite of all this stuff in spite of this thing that you felt like was supposed to solve all of it and you realized it hadn't tell us about that yeah that's that's exactly right like we thought this will heal us this is where we'll find our peace in our hearts and if we have that piece of the puzzle all put together our lives are just going to be amazing and you know, we'll still have to work to maintain it, but we're there. We've made it. And um, and with that, we, you know, we thought that that would heal our pain and heal the trial that we had been kind of launched into. And and it, it didn't. It, it was okay for a couple of years. Um, things were really good. We were kind of coming out of coming off of that and coming off of the high of and the excitement of being able to accomplish that. But after a couple of years, um, it wasn't might not even have been a couple of years, it was not long after that I just started to feel really empty inside, kind of spiritually numb. And I just felt, you know, I've had all this despair and um I didn't know why. I was still attending church. I was still reading my scriptures. I was still going to the temple. We were paying our tithing. We were doing all the things that you're supposed to be doing. But yet I just could not feel that connection. I'd go to church and just felt so empty. And the messages just never touched my heart. Um, kind of just spiritless. I just didn't know why and how did I get to that point? What had I done? What had I done to have God just pull away from me like that because I hadn't pulled away from him. So I didn't understand. I was confused. I I didn't know where that had went to. Yeah, because in the Mormon understanding, this is good for our listeners to hear this, in in the Mormon sort of psyche, it's all about if I'm doing all the right things, if I'm checking all the right boxes, then it's almost like God owes it to me for me to feel connected to him and for him to bless me in my life. And so here you are, Cassie, you and Steve both. You're you're thinking we've we've we're checking out, we're tithing, we're attending, we got married, we got sealed in the temple. We've done all the things because this is Mormonism, right? Is Mormonism right. the difference one of the main differences between Mormonism and biblical Christianity is Mormonism is it's like on you to check all the boxes and do all the things and and then God and then God blesses you as a result. Whereas in biblical Christianity, Jesus did all the work. And when we place our faith in him, he gives us his Holy Spirit. And he doesn't, it doesn't come and go based on our efforts and our actions and how good of a person we are. He gives it's a gift that he gives us and he doesn't take it back. But in your thinking, you're there's something that you're fundamentally missing even after you feel like you've checked all the boxes. Yes. Yeah, I th- I thought I had it all and I knew that there was something missing that something wasn't right and I couldn't figure out why. I didn't know why and um it was 
it was hard. It, it was crushing kind of that emptiness because I had never felt like that before. You know, here I had just accomplished everything that the church tells you you should accomplish as a LDS member. And, and yet I was just had this big hole in my heart. Okay, so then, Cassie, COVID hits. And I know for a lot of Mormons and even for a lot of Christians, COVID <laughs> COVID messed with yeah. people, right? So COVID hits. Yes. Tell us what happened for you then and then how it started, how it eventually led to you asking some questions and doing some of your own research. Yeah, so COVID hit. And at that time, I was I felt relieved. I felt relieved that I didn't have to go sit through church anymore and fight those feelings of emptiness and feel, feel those that guilt that I wasn't connecting the way I should be. Um, I was glad that I didn't have to be there and, and sit through it. And a lot of members at that time, and even myself, we connected through social media and were able to watch those, uh, watch the sermons that way. Um, or not the sermons, but we were able to watch the listen to the speakers that way. And even then, I just I couldn't connect. I didn't want to be a part of that anymore. It was it was my way out. And I, I didn't want to go back at that point. I knew that I wasn't getting what I needed while I was there. But that left me feeling very guilty and unworthy feeling that way. Okay, so you got these two things going on, and I, I hear this from a lot of Mormons, is they were like, you didn't have the pressure to go to church because you couldn't. Um, yeah. And so that was nice for so many Mormons, but that, but it, but you also have this attending guilt that you're like, oh, I know I should still be, I shouldn't feel so good about, I shouldn't be so happy that I'm not having <laughs> to go to the ward, right? Yeah, yes, absolutely. And then, and then Cassie, and this is a lot of people, for a lot of people, this is part of their story. Then all of a sudden you stumbled on some documentaries and there's been a lot of those recently on Netflix and other places about the FLDS church and current day polygamy. And for you, you're, you're thinking to yourself, well, wait, we're not fundamentalists, but what, like, how did, how did you and how did Steve respond to these documentaries about polygamy in the FLDS church? Cause it's still talking about Joseph Smith, who you do believe in and you do, and you do teach right. about. Yes. So I had known a little bit about the the FLDS church and the polygamists. Just you live in Utah, they're around you. So, you know, you have a little bit of a knowledge of them already. But um, when I watch these documentaries, it just in depth, it you realize how um, close to the initial LDS, the beginning LDS church, like the church that Joseph Smith was living back in his time was really not any different than the way that these FLDS members were living their lives. Essentially, they were living the Mormon doctrine uh, closer to the way that we live it now as LDS people. Um, and that was, it was alarming. It was just seeing them under such harsh and strict rules and scared and fearful if they broke those rules and kind of decided to think for themselves and if they were to decide that that wasn't for them anymore, the pain and the heartache that it would fill in their lives, um, it was heavy. And it, it made me start to question if, they, if these people are so easily led to believe in these things, how 
that could happen to anybody. That could happen. Has that happened to me in my religion? It could be in any religion. You feel like it's the truth, but if they could be so easily deceived and fooled into thinking um, the way that they believe in their religion, then that could be a possibility in my religion too. Yeah, it really just made me start questioning what was the truth. Was it like a little bit like looking in a mirror for you that, if, again, for you as a, a lot of our non-Mormon listeners don't know this, but for mainline Mormons like you, you did not at all connect yourself to the FLDS, the fundamentalists. But as you're right. watching some of these documentaries, are you saying, wait a second, that does sound like me, some of the guilt and the shame and the feeling trapped almost did you did you could you relate to that a little bit a little bit more than you were comfortable with yes yes i could and i i do think that's where the discomfort came from is saying wow like that is kind of mirroring our my religion to a certain point you know we may not believe in some of the things that they're living now but the basic doctrines yeah it was a mirror and and i could relate so all of this now, Cassie, for you culminates to this place where you're just kind of like we opened with when you're, where you're a year ago, you're watching this chosen episode and you're, you're connecting to this character in the story, this, mm-hmm. this woman that was hungry enough. She was pagan. She was, she was a Gentile in a pagan land, but she was hungry enough to know she needed God. And that resonates with you because this, all these experiences um, with your marriage in the Mormon church, um, the questioning, the agony, the guilt, the shame, all these experiences culminate to this place where you realize that you just wanted to know Jesus. You're hungry enough just to know Jesus. And you weren't sure that you were really learning about Jesus all this time. Yeah. So after I had watched these documentaries, I really started to dig in deeper to the questions that that led me to have about my church and its history and its doctrines and what it really teaches. And um, the more I would dig through that information and try to learn about things, the more I just felt sad and I felt kind of deceived because all of this was new information for me that I had never been taught before. I had maybe heard rumors and been told, oh, those are just rumors. You you can't look outside of um, church-released information because people are just trying to deceive you and pull you away. That's, that's Satan's ploy to get you to leave. And I had this just huge tug of war in my heart because I knew that the places I was looking for this information, I had done, I had done some deep, deep digging, and I knew that they were reliable sources. And so I just had this tug of war in my heart, because, you know, I, I knew deep down my, my mind, my intellect was telling me, showing me these red flags, but my heart, because I had grew up in it my whole life, and that's all I'd known and all I'd ever been taught. It just created this intense sadness in my heart because I didn't know how I was going to make the choice to step away or stay in it or how how was I going to go against my family? How was I going to break that link in the ceilings that had been 
done for generations. You know, if I chose different, I was breaking that link. So when I finally got to that place where I was just ready to give up because I just couldn't figure out what to do. I didn't know what to do. I I didn't have that close relationship with God at that time. He still was kind of absent from my life and my heart, and I didn't feel his guidance. So I was confused, and I didn't know what direction I was going to choose in my path and just kind of stuck, just kind of okay. stuck there. And Cassie, for you, you were one of these Mormons, and not every Mormon is like this, but I've met a lot of Mormons in Utah who have this story, and maybe some of our listeners can relate. You were one of these Mormons from an early age that you were always drawn to Christ. With all these trappings of Mormonism, all this extra stuff that Mormonism adds in, temples and, and, uh, and covenants and all this stuff, when you strip it all away, you still just you still just wanted to know Jesus. And tell us a little bit about how that, how you knew that even growing up as a Mormon and how you, you never really had that satisfied in your life as a, as a Mormon. Yeah. So I had always, as a little girl, been just drawn to Christ. Um, anything that had to do with Jesus was something that grabbed a hold of my attention right away. Um, so within the church, Anything that was outside of Christ or outside of teaching about Christ, I really didn't connect to. I really didn't care much to listen to um, any of the Joseph Smith stories. I never really felt connected to. It was always about Christ for me. I just I knew deep down in my heart that it was all about Christ and what He did for me on the cross. And um, to have that draw as a young girl, but not really know the meaning behind it, you know, that just always drove my heart and I didn't even understand why. But um, I always felt very spiritually connected to Jesus and him alone, nothing more than him. And so I, at this time, when I was kind of going through this journey and learning all these things about the LDS church that I had never learned before. Um, at the same time, my desire to learn more about Jesus and more about his time on earth and um, his teachings kind of grew as well. And so I was not only digging into the information about the church that I needed to sort through in my own heart, but I was also drawing new information and reteaching myself um, the Jesus of the Bible and, and who he was according to the Bible and not according to the things that I learned when I was growing up. And that really just set me on a new path. And my desire was in him even more than it had ever been before. And so that brings us back to that day almost a year ago when, you know, you wrote in your journal those words you were watching that chosen episode and you related to this to this woman who was hungry enough to know she needed god you know this whole this whole journey that you were on which i think cassie you would probably agree god was in all along right whenever i talk to someone yes. who grew up in a mormon church the ones the ones who i feel like really get it are the ones who aren't bitter about their mormon mormon upbringing but instead they say God still used all of that, even though there's some bad theology and some cultural stuff that's difficult, God still used all of that 
to lead me to really know the Jesus of the Bible. Would you say that that's a good way to summarize your experience in the last year? Yes, 100%. I feel like even though he wasn't there, he, or I couldn't feel him there, he was there, but I couldn't feel him there. And looking back, I can see now that he was there all along. He was kind of orchestrating this path for me. Um, I feel like he knew he had to withdraw himself from me in to an extent so that I would go searching. Um, I'm a, I've always been a spiritual person and to not have that anymore, I think he knew that's what would send me searching for him and set me on the path that he wanted me to follow. Um, he was always there guiding my life and establishing those basic uh, beliefs and knowledge that of Jesus and of himself that I needed to um, to be able to have and relate to for my journey later on. And on that path, that's where I found him and the real Jesus. Cassie, I know there are a lot of people listening to this story and they're so resonating with what you're saying. They can so relate to you. And I think it might be good for us to finish this episode just by going back to your journal. We already read a little bit about it. And why don't we go back to it and read a little bit more from that life-changing day almost a year ago when you really met the Jesus of the Bible. I can't even begin to describe the spirit and emotion that filled my heart as I heard those words, hungry enough to know she needed God. There are no words adequate enough to describe what I went through in that moment. Um, I suddenly felt like I was floating. My spirit awoke. I could feel my heart pounding heavily in my chest and a warmth and a love and a presence that I hadn't ever felt that strongly ever had overtaken my heart. I was no longer watching an episode of The Chosen. I was feeling God speak to my soul in a way he never had before. Words that penetrated my heart so deeply and took on a completely different meaning for me than what the actual story was about. Hungry enough to know she needed God. Tears filled my eyes and rolled down my cheeks as I knew how hungry for his words I had been and how deeply I wanted to feel his spirit in my life again. I knew I needed God in a different way than I'd ever needed him before. And in this moment, he was holding me up, his presence surrounding me in a way I had never felt before. He was speaking to me so directly and so powerfully in a way I had never experienced him doing. And the undeniable feeling and thought that overwhelmed my heart in this incredibly powerful moment was that he was showing me and telling me in such an unequivocal way that this new path that I was on and the one that I feel the most peace in is the right path for my life, that I was in his hands and he was guiding my path and showing me the direction he wanted me to follow. So Cassie, what would you say to the person who's listening to your story today and they're saying, I'm there, I'm there, I, I, want, I want what Cassie found, what would your word of encouragement be to them? I would tell them to never give up to follow Jesus, because as long as you're following Jesus, you're not going to be led astray. Jesus will show you where he wants you to end up. He will show you his plan for your life and what your purpose is. And he is always there, even when you can't feel him. You might not hear him, but he's there. And to just keep your sights on him and follow him. 
Hey, listeners, this is Brian Dwyer reminding you to rate this show on your favorite podcast app. That really does help us when you do that. That way more people can discover this podcast and start listening. And also, don't forget to share the podcast with a friend.